Okay, so the show tonight is about the Makalo. So I guess the Torah tells us, this is in the end of Parshas Amor. So it's Chav Dalad Yod. So the son of a Jewish woman went out, and he was also the son of a Mitzri, Mitzri man, right? Amongst the Jews. And he um, fought in the camp. This son of the, of the Jewish, and just the regular Jewish man. Okay, so he got into a scuffle with uh, another fellow. And he specified, enunciated, pronounced the Shem Hashem. This, again, this Mitzri, son of a Mitzri, son of the whatever. This person with mixed lineage, right? And he cursed. So he enunciated the Shem Hashem and he cursed. And he brought it to Moshe. I'm sorry. And the people brought him to Moshe. His mother's name was Shlomo. Right? They put him in a prison on the guard. Specify what should happen to him. Right? Basically, um, Skila. Okay? Okay. And that's basically then that Makalel, or otherwise known as a Magadev, gets Skila. Okay. So we don't have much context, right? Okay, a guy went out and he cursed, had a fight, and then he cursed us, like what's right? What's going on here? All right, it's the background. So Rashi provides us with two different shots, and we're kind of three, two and a half. So the question, I guess, with Rashi is immediately bothered by is what is the word by And he went out. Out of where? All right? So Rashi says, From where did he go out? He left his world. Presumably means. He left all of he ruined his life, he went out of his normal, healthy world, and he kind of, I guess it was Bocher, and kind of went down a bad path here, which led to his death. Something like that, right? Still funny to describe it that way, you know? Ayetze, he went out of his world, okay? Reminiscent of like Korah type of thing, you know? Korah, So, that's the first time. Rabbi Yehuda, but Rabbi Rachi Omer, mi parsha shel ma'iliyatza. He left the previous parsha. Ligleg v'amar, he scoffed and said, "Vayom ha'shabbos yachanu." The 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 pasuk, the previous pasuk, was talking about the the lechem and the showbread. The breads are on the shulchan, or these breads, and they set them up on the table. So six, two piles of six breads apiece, twelve breads. And they basically, every Shabbos, they would set them. So they'd set them up on the table on Shabbos. And then um, they would leave them there for the entire week. And then on Friday, they'd bake new ones. And on Shabbos, they would slip off the old ones and put on the new ones. Put on the new ones and slip them off in like one fell swoop. So this way it'll be, the bread will be their tamid. Right? The bread's supposed to be their tamid. So how's it their tamid? So that's their tamid because every week you slip it out. 
And then what do you do with these breads? So the breads have a little levona on top. These like spoons. You take the levona, the frankincense, and you burn down on this bath, which is like an askara, like a remembrance, so to speak. A portion of it goes to Hashem. But the breads themselves are eaten by Kohanim. Okay, the breads are eaten by Kohanim. Okay. But the breads that you're eating are the breads from last Shabbos. They were baked last Friday. Okay, so now, so now what I'm saying is, that was the previous question. So Rav Rechia is saying that this guy, this Megadev, left, went out from the previous parsha. And he said the following, It's the way of a king to eat hot bread every day. Maybe it's nine-day-old bread. That's not, it's uh, ridiculous. Right? So that's what it means. He went out of that parsha. It means he was scoffing at that parsha. He says, it's crazy. What kind of idea is that? Why is the, the eating? Why are they having this bread, which is old bread? That's not the Derech of the King. The Derech of the King is to eat fresh bread. Here you're eating nine-day-old bread. It's baked on Friday. Friday is the first day. Next Friday is the eighth day. Shabbos is the ninth day. So it's like on the ninth day that they're eating the bread. Right? Okay. So that's the second shot of where is Vayetze. And then he says, Masnisa Amra. Masnisa, the Raisa has Mi Bezino Shamosha Yatsa Mechuyev. He left as Moshe's Bezdin guilty. Balita Ahalobimachmedan. So the background is he was trying to plant his, uh, to set his tent, pitch his tent in the camp of Dan. Amrullah, when they said to him, Ma Tivach, look what are you doing here? Goes by your father. Your father is in front down. Your mother is. Your father is a mitzri. So they went to the Bezid of Moshe to resolve this dispute. He and that fellow who he had a scuffle with. And he left the Bezdin um, guilty, I guess, right? That the other guy was right. So he stood up and he cursed. Right? That's the background. Yatsa there means he left the Bezin of Moshe. Okay. Fine. Then I'll let's keep going in the Rashis. Ben Ish Mitzri. Who are Mitzri Sacharag Moshe? So his father was the Mitzri that Moshe Ben killed. Okay. Besoch Ben Eishar. He converted. So that poses a little bit of a problem because he was seemingly he was Jewish. His mother was Jewish. His father was an Israel. Ramban deals with that. I don't know. So some want to say it's before Matan Torah that then didn't apply. Or maybe it means he lived like a Jew or whatever. The point is he was, he was a Jew. Okay, but you know, they were fighting about the matters of the camp. Right? The Isha Israeli, who was he fighting with? Mateolo, the one who was uh, preventing him from fighting, from planting a stunt. So you see Rashi's going with this last shot, right? He's like kind of running with that one. And explaining this further, Psukim, right? Is that your question? No. No, even a little Russian, okay? Uh, would it matter if he's not Jewish? Because here goes to shame as long as he Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I'm not sure why it's relevant. Good question. Okay, then it says, Vayiko. Okay. So, he specified, so he enunciated the Shem Yuchad and he cursed. Right? And this is the Shem Mephoros I heard in Arsinai. So he heard the Shem Mephoros in Arsinai and he enunciated and cursed him. 
So the Torah is um, publicizing the praise of Kali Yisrael that she was the only Zona. She was the one woman who slept with the Metri. Or went out and slept with the Metri. But saying her name, it's like kind of singles her out. It's the woman who slept with the Metri. Shlomis. Her name was Shlomis. Dave Pitpita. She was like a chatterbox. Right? She was saying hi to everybody. And that wasn't good. In fact, Bas Divri, and the word in the name Bas Divri, she was this Dabron, a speaker, a talker. She would talk to everybody. That led to her affair, if you want, or her corruption. It's not so good to talk to everybody. Right. Okay, Russia going and I log and I love Shifto. Okay, whatever, we can leave that one. Okay, so basically you got a bunch of different things here, right? So a few different shot who was this guy. And maybe it just means he left his world. Okay, it doesn't really give us much insight. I mean any shot could say that's what it means. They'd say he left his world. But the first shot is he left from the previous parasha, questioning the whole wisdom of Lachamapana. Right? And the fact that it's nine day old bread. And the second shot is no, he went out of the camp, the tenth of Moshe, the Bezin of Moshe, guilty after he had this whole scuffle about um, whether he should or shouldn't have a portion in uh, the, you know, B'nai Israel, the camps. And then he came out guilty, he ended up cursing. Okay, so these are the basic uh, basic facts. Okay, any questions? Good question. Why is the, why is the fight even relevant? Who cares? Ultimately, cursed Hashem. Who cares? Yeah. Very good question. Saying that that um, Rashi by all the way back there, but the Mitzri who he hit says that he was a Mitzri who was who basically slept with a raped a Jew's wife by when he told the husband to go out of the house and he went in and slept with her and the husband didn't realize and she didn't realize whatever right. So it doesn't sound like she was Zona. Thomas Ono who's just going out, right? But I think it's it works with this Rashi. Because what Rashi's saying is that she was a chatterbox, and that's what caused it. And it was she's Ono, she chatterbox. But it sounds like that was just her her chatting basically could be evoked the desires of this mystery. She was like flirted with him, she flirted with people. And if you start flirting with everybody, you're gonna just get you're gonna arouse someone who's gonna decide to to, to get to pursue you. So it's like she wasn't a zona zona in that sense. That she was willingly going out and whatever, but she was like acting like it's on us. She was just going out there and putting herself out there and totally talking to people who she shouldn't be talking to. And you can get into trouble like that. It's just not a good need to do that. You could say that. Yeah. But yeah, I think it means by Yiko, at least the way Rashi is interpreting it. And of course, I think also, you know, means he enunciated it. And then, like, like Carlos, he cursed it. So you have to say the Shem Hashem and you have to curse. Right. So Yiko, and Yiko sometimes can mean Klala, right? The curse, but you go to saying Rashi to parish, it means he enunciated it and then by a column. That's the uh, UFC, should it's very UFC. I guess so, yeah, okay, yes, 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 I guess so. Where was he gonna live? Like, I'm just saying, yes, he would have lived with Erebra. Who knows, maybe there's a place outside of these uh, designated areas of the Shvatim, could have lived somewhere else in the desert outside of the camp, but he didn't want to. I guess he wanted to live, he wasn't a guy here. He kind of considered himself a Jew. His mother was a Jew. It wasn't just Stam uh, Mitzriger. So he kind of felt like he belongs in Machman and Shevatan. But apparently, he was saying no. Sancho. 
goes by your father, and your father's not, and you're basically like the rest of the era, bro. I guess so, right, I guess so. Right, so right. But first, Pshad Vayatzim just means he left it, we're old, it's not telling you anything. Right. It's not telling you anything, motivation at all. So, I don't know, I feel like the first Pshad has to be interpreted together with one of the others. Mm-hmm. I think, it's just like, it's just explained to Lashon, by Yitzhak. But it's like, I mean, I'm like, you could just say, whatever, some random guy just decided to curse one day, but I think it's more of a stopper. It's like the Lashon, the question is, what's the Lashon of Yitzhak? It's just saying he left his world. There's like a plain meaning of Eitzay that he left his world or something. Maybe, maybe the other ones are more like Joshi left for previous partial, left, uh, I don't know. But the second shot, I know it's not clear what happened then. So he had this question about the Brad. Okay, so you the question about the Brad. So why is he cursing? Right? It's like, you not know, explaining. Like, well, then what? And with this guy, who is he fighting with? Was he just going around and like asking this question, joking, and some other guy started fighting with him, and he just cursed? You know, it's like it's not like this the story. Is Rashi, he says, it doesn't What Amad Vigidef? You mean the? It makes it sound like it's immediate. On which one? Uh it's the very end of what you say. No, but that's from the that's part of the the fight for Moshe. That's that's for the oh, third yeah, shot. Sorry, right, third shot. But I'm saying the second shot doesn't like end. Say so, okay, doing the second shot. So now, how do you get from there to the curse? It's like he's explaining the Yitzhak part, but he doesn't really explain the whole rest of it. Right. And then Rashi runs with the third shot. Yeah. Why do you get killed? Why do you get killed? You didn't have any Yedim Hasra, apparently. If they didn't even know how right. to punish him, they couldn't have possibly given him proper Hasra. Right. Right. Question. Right. Right. Just saying. Right. Okay, good question. I mean, according to the third shot, it's explaining all the details here. Yeah. The whole story. Machana explains all the details. But the second shot, and certainly the first shot, doesn't really explain any of that. Okay, good question. What's the point of this whole story? Who cares? What do we learn from it? And I guess the next question is like, is this somehow, I don't know the answer to this, but is this like somehow a model of what Megadev is? Or is it just like, you know, story that happened to be or is this like uh, that's one possible answer i guess it's like trying to describe for you what a megadif is you know but i mean we have to get some background or whatever but that might be you know it might be like um some or i don't know it's hard to know maybe just telling us about then and mishpat and whatever right. it's a story it's how, it you know? yeah yeah right maybe yeah. Story. this is what happened yeah. okay good yeah it's good so leslie's saying i agree with that I'm happy you're saying it. But um, we have to spell that out a little bit. But I, I want to learn the same as Leslie's saying, is that basically they're all one shot. They all, they're all parts of the same shot. One big story. And they'll shut them work. Rashi's learning. We're putting them all together. Like, again, because they're incomplete. The first one doesn't say anything except he went out. The second one doesn't explain any of the details of the story. And then the third one does. And then Rashi's running with the third one. But what happened to the previous ones? Right? So... Yeah, so I'm like, Leslie's saying, well, there was some sort of a progression here. First thing, you went out or whatever. He's going out. But then he's had this whole thing, and he's joking, and he's whatever. And that got him, leg leg, okay, where are you cursing? Okay, that was just the background. He was a leg leg, and this is the previous part. And then he got into this fight with the guys. And somehow, when we have to spell out the steps, that that put him in a position to when he had pressure, and when he got into a fight, and he got, you know, thrown out of the camp and whatever. Then he responded in this uh, abrupt manner. But there was like a background. There's a picture. There's a story. It's like a certain, it's painting a picture of these different, uh, you know, the different 
the progression, if you will, of, of this fellow. Basically, the guy that's described in the last follow-up of Saras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. right, right. He started out with, uh, yeah. He started out, his mother was a big chatterbox. <laughs> yeah, right. And then, and he took after her. Right. And then it led him to, to, um, degrade the mitzvot, right. and degrade the base, you know, show motion, right. and eventually right. degrade that. Yeah, 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 that's good. Right. should have gotten Saras. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah, okay, good. Good. So, so I think like we have to play it through a little bit more carefully, but yeah, I like that. That's a good idea. Yeah, another question. Another question. Maybe someone heard this. I talked about this on the podcast. But I don't know this, but was the uh, question is what's what what's the answer to like what, what was bothering him? According to the second shot, what was bothering him about the fresh bread thing, right? And what was what's the terrorist to that? He seems to be raising it like a decent point. It's like, why Why do we have old nine-day-old bread? Like, why not just change it out every day? You know? Including the nace or the nine? Yeah, so where is that brought down, the nace? There's, there's it brought down, right? In Avos. In Avos, it says I that's one of the nace. Oh, really? It might. Oh, that it stayed fresh? Mm, yeah. Okay, yeah, I knew there was a chazal like that. I'm not sure where it is, but... Well, it's only because the Kohan had to eat. Either way. Yeah, but even so, right. But still... <laughs> Why are people eating nine-day-old bread? I mean, they, that's funny. Uh, stale bread either. It's just like cover the kingdom. It's time fresh bread. What are you having? Stale bread or nine-day-old bread or even you know, just the whole thing. Again, now he's making a little mistake because he says he says the like, the king is to eat fresh bread every day, not nine-day-old bread. But the king isn't eating it. It's the Gohan who are eating it. So that's true. That's an error. But people don't eat nine day old fresh bread either. And the servants of the king and the priests, so what what's the whole deal? What's why are we doing nine day old bread? Why not even granted that the Guan are eating it, so let them eat it every day, get fresh bread and change it. Right? And I say, Well, there's an ace. Okay, but who needs that? Who needs an ace? And you say, set it up in a way that you need an ace. Just set it up in a way that you're just taking fresh bread every day, and that's it. Sure, Leslie's saying is when he describes the whole Seder, the the way the Shulchan is set up in Tzavah, I guess, right? But Truma, he basically shows how the, the tubes or these like, what they have, the sniffing, whatever, basically set up so that it keeps a distance, a little space between the bread, so this way air can get through, so it won't get moldy. But even though if that's true, it's still, I, don't, I mean, even if you have those, you know, my, I have that in my kitchen, but it still gets moldy after nine days, even if it's wrapped in a bag. But like, arguably, it's like that, that goes some way, but then still, it could be there's a nace that helps it. Even if there's an ace, it doesn't mean you're just going to set it up in a moldy way. So you do the best that you could, and then the nace or will help it, you know, go take care of the rest. So I don't know. I don't know if Rashi brings down that. I don't. I don't think it's a Rashi in the Chumash at least who says about the nace. But there's Mishnah Navo, so I don't know that Rashi denies it. But either way, whether it is or it isn't, it's still not. He's making a point. This Mikalel is that. It's not the derach to do something like that. Who has nine day old bread that you eat? Whether you know. So even if it's if it's an ace, then why are you setting up in a way that it's not going to work and they have an ace and it's not an ace, then it's just stale or somebody made some perfect way to do it, but still. So what's why do that? You know? See, why does he care? Yeah, why does it bother? Yeah, it's a good question. What's right? Why is he getting so bent out of shape? Yeah. Okay, so Yeah, okay, good. So so I want to let me develop that line of there. It's thinking like Moshe is that that the, the idea is like, yeah, he see he was like a Benish Mitzri. So I want to say, like, he had Mitzri tendencies, if you will. And the Mitzri, Mordei Ozar, and he's interpreting God in that framework. And that's what he's saying. So it's the king, 
to eat fresh to eat bread, uh, fresh bread. He doesn't eat nine day old bread. So he's looking at like God's eating this bread. Like apparently he was watching too carefully or whatever. But God's bread, it's in his temple, God's bread, and saying it's almost like it's a disgrace. This is how you're treating your God, you're giving him old bread. You know, and it was like offensive to him. It's like not he's like looking at it as about God is in the framework, and in and above our framework, it's like uh, it's a it's a disgrace to the God. But his, but but uh, but I'm saying is like specifically the Torah is trying to negate the Dechalimzah, so it has the bread there, but it frustrates any way to look at it in an idolatrous way, because that's not the way you do it. If it's a, if it's God's bread, you don't have it sit there for nine days. That's not the Derech. You don't give a human king that, or you don't give your God that. Ridiculous! Why are you doing that? So the point of the bread. It's trying to direct you away from thinking of it. Yeah, like the menorah, like the menorah was it turned inwards, so it shows that it's not a God, doesn't need the light. It's like the, it was specifically designed in a way that, that frustrates your Avodazara emotions. And that's what frustrated this guy. He was leg-leg, he was scoffing at it. It's ridiculous. But that's because he was in the wrong framework. And it's supposed to do is he should have he should have been leg-leg. It's a fine question. Ask the question, and if you think it through, you realize, ah. Oh, I have a wrong premise. And then he learned. But instead of doing that, he held on to his premise and he scoffed. But the premise, the, the, I think the answer is, the idea of the bread is not to give God bread. It's to show us that God is the source of our bread. As the Mishkan, as you come to the Mishkan, and the Mishkan teaches you different ideas about Akash Baruch He gives us knowledge and the Nebua, that's like the, and he gives us like light or Hashkacha, it's like the, and he gives us this bread that's the, um, the Shulchan, and he gives us Kapara, and his bath. Like different, like the ideas which are reflected about the derech to attain these things which you're looking at is to approach a Baruch And Hashem is the source of bread. And who gets the bread of the Shulchan? The Ovde Hashem, the Kohana. So it's like the, the kiyam in the bread of the Shulchan is not the eating of the bread. It's this display of the bread. It's designed to show us an idea. Mishkan has it on display, and Hashem's house is the is the bread, and that shows, so to speak, Hashem is the source of our bread. But it's not specifically that it's not. It, it, it breaks the mold of the eating. The, and normally, bread's kiem is an eating. Here's bread's kiem is in the display. It's the idea which it teaches. Now again, we don't just let it go and, mo- and get moldy and whatever. Ultimately, it is eaten. But who is it eaten by? Those people are Mishra to Hashem. And it shows us Hashem gives out his bread too. And if good, there's an Aesirit. So then it shows he, he miraculously supports other people who serve him. But ultimately, the lesson of the Shulchan is, is, is to show us where how we should strive to get bread towards the Kaddish Baruch Not that Hashem eats it. And that's why it's specifically designed to be counter, to frustrate the Avatar mentality. Yeah, so he's basically, he's coming from Mitzri Rekha, and then he's looking at God from his Mitzri framework, and he's questioning, it's like he's, he's trying to put God into like his his way of thinking about things, and he's saying is this is, uh, he's standing up for God's honor, so to speak, but like in this corrupt framework, and because of that, he's saying is, this is a joke, this is ridiculous, what's going on, you know? But again, instead of asking, he's attacking, and he's holding on to a, like a kasha. Sometimes people do this. They say certain mitzvahs bother them. And instead of asking a question, they, 
<laughs> or those that you know they have like these kashas kashas on the Torah. But then what happens? Let's just see where where he goes, right? So then he ends up, you know, wanting to be part of Kali Yisrael. I guess he, again, he is joining Kali Yisrael, and he wants to be part of us, and he wants to be part of one of the Shatim, right? Even though he comes from this mixed background, and he really is Mitzri, this, you know, identifies as Mitzri, he wants to be part of us. He's like, you know, I guess he's caught in these two worlds. But then he ends up getting into a fight, because they say, sorry, you're not part of uh, your Lebesavos. So they bring him to Moshe's Bastion, and then he loses, right? He loses. And he's mad, which is reasonable, right? It's reasonable, I mean, whatever. But, so it could be what happened was, though, see, and this is why it's important they put these two children together, is that Ligleg, I'm claiming here, Ligleg, joking, doesn't lead to Mikal. Because like you said, someone said, who, what does he care so much? Okay, he's scoffing. Maybe it's a curse. Like, what's he doing? Why does he have to like, get so mad and curse? But it's like Ligley lays the groundwork. He he makes light of the Torah. He makes light of the Kodesh Baruch He treats it as like something that's like uh, it's not quite right. And then when God's system, the Moshe system, and the Jew system rejects him, then he gets mad. And when he gets mad, he curses the Kodesh Baruch He curses the whole thing. Right? So it's like his, but that outburst was only enabled by the fact that he previously kind of had this jokery, this scoffery about Hagadosh Baruch and about the system. The person just gets mad because he loses a court case. You don't curse Hagadosh Baruch, it's too far. You have to first leg leg, you have to first kind of undermine you know, have these kashas on the Torah and this attitude of, you know, looking down at the Torah. And you might think there's no consequence of that, but then when, and maybe, the Torah may still be trying to be part of the Jews and he's on the Torah still and he wants to be part of us and all that. But then, like then, then like on one, at the moment, he's not on the state, he's not on firm footing, that type of a guy. And and when that guy finds himself in a bad situation where he's personally slighted and his emotions are there, then he totally turns. And he takes the he takes the Shem Hashem and he uh, like and curses and goes against him. So maybe it'd be, let me just forget I got the wrong one. So let's look a little bit about what the, the spade of Mikalo is. Right, without getting too far into it. So the Rambam, there's an interesting Rambam in about Mikalo. The God if that is. So the Rambam says, "Sin of the Zara, Erek Bez, Kol Hamodu Vezoshi Ames." This is Bez Vav. Afo Pishal Avda. If you admit the Avodas Shor, you don't serve it. Ahari is a Macharif Megadef as Hashem Echolav. Okay, so it's like that's that itself is like cursing Macharif Megadef Hashem. The echad ha'oveder, this is a little cryptic. The echad ha'oveder was the zara. The echad megadif is Hashem. Okay, one is or whether you're ovedo zara, whether megadif is Hashem. They're like equated in some sense. Shenemar v'hanefesh tasa biad rama mina ezrach maniger es Hashem who megadif. So that's talking about an ovedo was zara, and it's saying is he's Hashem who megadif. He's not Hashem megadif. He's ovedo zara. So it's saying it's echad is echad. It means they're the same. 
Therefore, we hang the over the zar just like we hang the megadif. If shneim neskalim, and they both get skila. Umimneza kalalti din din a megadif because of the zar. That's why I put it together because they say this is over the zar. What's the megadif? It's over the zar. Put in shulis or something like that, or I don't know, klalo or sanhedrin. Who knows where? Right? Sheshneim kol from bekerin because they both kol for beker. Eloin din a megadif. Okay. So. It's interesting. It's interesting. What's the, I guess, unification of these two things? Right? Yeah, so they're, yeah, they're both reducing God. They're, see, I think in both of them, it's like you're relating to God through like an emotional way, through your emotions. Right? Now, you could relate to those emotions, you could call it almost like in a positive way and a negative way. In one way, it could be like you serve him through your emotions. You invent new methods of service and, you know, like a bazaar. You know, or, you know, I guess project all, all false ideas or false gods. Or, but it's basically, it's like your relationship to the divinity, to God, is through your emotions. That's going to result in either avodazara, like, the, you know, strange avodas towards God, making up your own different thing, or some strange god. But that's, it's, it's again, it's like a, a positive. It's almost like a positive um, emotions towards God. It's like you want to serve God. But it, but it's through your, your, your emotional, superficial view of God. Or you could take that same emotional view of God and then rebel against them. And the Godlife is that is when you do that. It's like, again, it's like the same thing. You know, it's like, I don't know, like a father. A person could have a father, could have a tutor, so there's an ambivalence. Valen's father, and one could love his father, and he could hate his father, and curse his father, he could, you know, worship his father, or, you know, honor him in a great way, look up to him in a great way. So it's like, but they're both just do different emotional expressions. It just, again, it's the one which is, uh, you know, trying to serve him in some sort of a way based on your emotions, or you turn against them. And ultimately, they both come from a diminution of the idea of Hashem Hashem. And that's what he did. He took the shame of Mayuchad, which you heard in our Sinai, which is like the idea of Yichad Hashem, the of God, which is you have to relate to through Pachma, and it's not physical. And, and he totally just made him like, he, he lowered his idea of God, and he related to him like a, like an idol, like some false, you know. And once it's an idol, then it's just some someone who you relate to in an emotional way. And again, you could relate to it positively, you could relate to it negatively. You just, you know, it's like your whole relationship is determined by Whatever emotions are floating around in your in your psyche, so that's so I'm saying. So that's what he did here. He like the the Megadif is like the like the attack, the like the culmination of the leg leg. It's a process. Leg leg is where he scoffed and he looked down at him, and then when so to speak, the system, God's system, through Moshe, pushed him and crossed him on a personal level, then he went leashed all out expression of his uh, animosity of the attack on the Kodesh Baruch through his words, through his curse. Right? But it like, indicates, it's called for the Iker. The Iker is that God is totally above your emotions. The way you relate to him has to be through pure Chachma. And you can't choose to worship him based on the way your emotions do, whether you want to worship him directly or through intermediaries or through whatever. You can't worship him the way you wish your emotions tell you to worship him. 
and you can't go against him the way your emotions are the So you just have to subordinate yourself. That's like the Iker. The Iker is, is he is the true one, you one existence. And ultimately you have to align yourself with his uh, will, his existence, knowledge of him, not not project your not not relate to him through the world of your emotions. So it's like two sides of the coin. Okay, so now what about so what about this is his mother? This is this other thing, right? The, this, I guess, point you were mentioning before, so much is about the, the chatty, right? That other part it makes the point of mentioning his mother was chatting and all that, you know? So it seems like there's also like another dimension to his faith. The God Dave is like you're loose, loose with your tongue, your lips. You're quick to talk. Okay, you get mad. Doesn't mean you're gonna have to enunciate. There's like a resistance. There should be a resistance in a person to just talk. Should be able to just say something like that. But it could be that was like a midah of his mother. It's like she was just like a chatterbox. She was a dabranis. And it's like that itself is a is a bad midah. A person should be able to like siyagulchakmoshtika. Person should be should be a, a filter, some block between their thoughts, their feelings, their emotions, and their mouth. So you see, his mother didn't have that. Now that was her name. She was Davranis, and she was a Shlomis, and she was, you know. And again, it wasn't necessarily a negative as much as it's just unfiltered. And it didn't differentiate between saying Shlom make someone feel good, or Shlom to the local Mitzri who was going to, you know, flirt with or whatever. And like, that's the problem. It's like undiscerning, totally. And it could be that's like another dimension of his faith was that even with all of this not, you know, stated, it could be if he wasn't so quick to speak, maybe he would have, um, you know, bit his tongue. But it's like once he had this emotional underlying animosity, his leg leg, we'll knock him up on him. And then he had the personal fight and he got mad. And he had a short, he didn't have a big like a filter on his mouth. So then he just, Yatsameh Then he like, his, his world crashed down. But it could be is like, It'd be like until this point, he was like, I don't know, it's a good question. Like, it could be like, I don't know, it was all on the same day. It's not clear whether the this uh, leg leg was on the same day. But maybe it wasn't. And it looks like it's okay. It's not the biggest. Uh, you know, it's, not, it's not not leaving his world. I mean, it's okay. It's bad. But it's, it's more like it leads you, sets the stage. And then he went to a point of no return. It's like, uh, you know, certain... You know, I guess bad midos lead you down a bad path, and they they may not be so terrible until they you get to a crisis or you get to a moment where you end up being rattled, razzled, and that's what happens. He ended up in that instant. He basically lost it all. You know, and he turned the news and he was in the other. You know, but there was like ingredients that were building up in him that got to that point. Yeah, so it is interesting that the the speech is enough to cause him to leave his world. I mean, in Megadif, it's, like, it's a crime. I guess normally it's a game by Misa, but it's a crime which Yechayev Skila for. It's like a bazaar. So I guess it's like, it's like you may have these emotional tendencies swirling around inside your mind, but to be able to turn and enunciate your, direct your anger <laughs> is like concretizing in your psyche, like putting God down beneath you. You know? It's like, it's the ultimate, like, lowering of a Kaddish Baruch through 
it's like that's through acting it out through your words, but it's right, you know. So it's like letting those emotions come to the floor and like reach the reality when you enunciate it. You know, you can be mad, but that enunciating it is like a misa of diminishing the Dajbah and putting him in, uh, you know, below you. And that's Kofarek. It's like a misa of Kofarek. It's like words, speech, you know, it's like with Vidoy, you have to enunciate the words because it like makes it real to you. Like, you know, thoughts are just fleeting. And okay, your thoughts, you're angry, whatever. But when you say it, it's like, makes it, it concretizes it in your second. And also, it affects other people, like, you know. They knew it was, I guess, it's bad for the cloud also. But, you know, I don't know, it's probably fine. But I think it's an interesting point to take, is that that idea of difference between asking a question and, like, like make the world a difference. So, again, I think he's asking a legitimate question. What's the deal with it? Am I dealing bad? It's fine. It's a good question. And we get, we get a good answer. There might be other answers. But there's a lot of questions on the Torah. It's part of Talmud Torah. Right? Talmud Torah is you find something. You say, well, that's hard to understand. What's the deal with that? And you may even ask it in a way. That doesn't make any sense. But it's not it's not a spirit of lingling. It's a spirit of questioning. There's a different spirit of being judgmental and like undermining the Torah and having, you know, not not a question, but like a, like an attack. You know, where the personality is like, looks down at Torah and makes himself a judge of Torah. And the thing he's saying is you see that type of thing is bad in its own right, but it's it spirals out of control. The person loses respect for the Torah and for Kodesh Barapho. Yeah, I guess it's good as much as saying that it's us. It's like these things are chatan build. And they, you know, you know like I was saying also, like there's a chain of chatan. And this week's part, you also have it, right? The end of bar. One is another, another is like a chain, you know. It's like Mr. Gross, Mr. Vegas, you know. And there's, you know, you slowly, slowly whittle these things away. But these things are not without consequence. Sometimes it takes, it, it has greater repercussions when new situations unfold in a person's life. And a person has to be careful to maintain their respect for Torah. Otherwise, it kind of, these things could get far out of control. So, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, but it's not quite right. They asked the question, but it was a fine question. Great. Right, but yeah. even if they were wrong. Yeah, so right. Have... You're right, exactly. But Lama Nigar, I was like, Lama. You know what I'm saying? Why? Right, it was a other one. I'm sorry, I'm mixing them two up. But yeah, Shani also, why don't we get the phrase? Yeah, that's fine to ask a question. It's the lig leg that Lashon is. You know, argue that as a beginning of the way it's saying, you know, the, the, that attitude. But these things, um, yeah. But again, it's interesting that that Mitri point is like maybe he was trying, he was like relating to God through the Mitri mentality. So it's like he was a mix. He was, he was, yeah, he was trying to join Kali Israel and being a guy, but he didn't realize, or I don't know if he realized that he chose not to, but like ultimately he didn't. Abandon the Mitzri way of life and of thinking about it. He just try to like take it and push it into Torah. But Torah is antithetical to it. So like you can't just take the Mitzri God and just change over that, change to a different God. And I would expect it to work out. It doesn't work out. And you're frustrated. It's wise God. You know, I know, grab. None of our Mitzri gods did that. It's like it, but it's not a good of a desire system. It's designed specifically designed not to be. It's not, it's not gonna satisfy the Avodah emotions. 
And the Kachin doesn't, and I mean, the system is not designed, it's designed on the contrary to be antithetical to the Rotharamosis. So he was this mixture, and maybe that's the thing, he was trying to come close to Kaisra, but he was, he was like on a bad era. He was like, it doesn't quite mix. He got frustrated, and he, you know, but he, instead of recognizing there's something different here, he just, you know, followed his emotions, stayed on his ordinary path, and he's legling, and, you know, next thing you know, he was uh, left as well. Wasn't raised by a mystery, though, was he? I'm saying. I don't know. It's not clear. I, mean, I guess it depends. If Moshe, I guess, comes out Rashi, then I guess not. But I guess he had a mystery underlying tendencies. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I guess he identified with him to some extent. Right, he was supposed his father and Yeah. Yeah, he says Mitsu and Hosha Kelly. How does he know that then Ishmitsu? Vayachas Ishmitsri or uh Ishmitsri, my guess he's made a success. Then Ishmitsri must be his address on the plan. Yeah, right. <laughs> Who else is called Ishmitsri? Right. Did they have any other man in that country? <laughs> yeah. That's probably what they say. I'm sure someone said that. So it looks at Joshan. Just say Ben Amitri. But Ben Ishmitri is like Egyptian employees, man. Previously, you know, that's what they say. Who are you? Yeah, it's not a bad Egyptian. Yeah, that's interesting. It's also an interesting point you see the, the chatterbox thing. You know, you might say she's a very nice woman. Talking to everybody. Yeah, so. You gotta, you gotta know this. You gotta be limits. Talk too much. Talking too much leads you into problems. There's one example. But I mean, in general, it's like it's not. Yes, there's an idea of like you know, of being cordial uh, and saver panim yafos and whatever. Makdim shalom v'chaladam. But apparently, there's a different types of different ways to do it. You know. She was in a Dabran. It could be she said Shalom Aleichem, and then Dabranish and Daberis Im Kaladam. It could be it wasn't just Shalom Aleichem. It was like a way into just not talking, chatting, Dabranis. Even yeah. like halachas about it, right? How you can say so and so in Akko, but you can't double it or something. Yeah, something like that. Right? I like that. That's good. They were saying, right? I mean, if you say the something go together, it could be the Bezamosh they knew. He was a guy who was like a Mitzri who was trying to. To infiltrate Israel, and he wasn't really belonging here, but he was trying to force his way in. And someone fought with him and says, "Listen, you're not really one of us. Not just because your father is an injury. It's like they just knew who he was. He was scoffing about the Hamon, and he just wasn't. And Bezmosha, it could be there was like a still, we don't really belong, and that's why he didn't like it. He was trying to bridge the made bridge the connection." And it could be that's why, maybe that is why he doesn't belong in the rock. Now we have to realize that like, there's, there's a certain purity of the um, Yisrael, and we're different. And it's not so, there's a risk of watering it down, having the wrong ideas creep in. Right, what? What about Gare? That's a good question. That's why it says um, Gare is the Erev Rav, right? 
You know, that whole thing is that Moshe said, you know, Hashem didn't want him to take him, and he took him, and he says, oh, that's the Amashir Halei right? So, uh, you know that? He says, it's the nation that you took out, because you shouldn't have taken those guys. But, I mean, this Gerim is a tricky thing. On the one hand, we're welcome Gerim, and the person wants to come, Lachas, come, Veshkei. Now, on the other hand, it says, Kashim Gerim, Kisabachas, and, like, uh, risky. You have to look after them. So, I mean, there's a balance. It's the greatest thing. Gyoris like a Rus, Weiss level, you know. But at the same time, there's a risk of the Gyar bringing their culture from the world and just trying to stuff it into the Dora. And that's, you know, so it has to be like, I guess, it means we have to be wary. Are they really embracing the Shechina or are they just kind of? whatever reason, find some attraction to, to, to the Jews, but ultimately they're not really abandoning their false mentality, their bad way of relating to it, you know? So Rus was saying, she was totally giving up everything to follow me and the director. But this, you know, so the, you see the him, or the heir of Rav, they were quick to jump to the ego, and he's jumping to Megala, and you know, it's like, so it could be that's the balance. Maybe that's what we have to be careful about. We have to look at a gear and make sure that he's doing it properly, sufficiently cutting himself off from the Zara in the previous ways and embracing it. If he is, then on the contrary, Shem is Ohev Ger. It's a lovely gear to bring him in and to let him in and to give him a family that he doesn't have. But, you know, there is there is a double-edged sword and there's a, you know, there are risks. What points you got from here? I mean, you learn a little bit about Gali, you learn about this guy, learn about the progression of how things could be, you learn about how the, the Gerim, how you have to relate to Gerim, and how you have to be careful about, you know, mixing Torah. It shows the separation between Torah and Israel. Uh, gives you context in the Parsha of the Lacham Right? It shows how careful we have to be about a relationship to Rosh Baraka. Yes. Even a small defect in speech. Yeah. Yeah, let's go to Kiva.